0: Log Talk Radio.
1: This show is sponsored by CoventryCreations.com.
0: What do you say?
2: And welcome to... Best-selling book uh, One of the hottest books um, That's out there currently uh, Regarding magic um, So if you do not have it you can pick it up Anywhere but you can get a signed copy of it If you order it from uh, Coventrycreations.com Just make sure that when you make the order put in the note That you would like Jackie to sign the book And I'm sure that she will take her sharp marker and sign it for you um, So Jackie what's going on there
1: um, I'm holding it together I woke up with a, you know, nice swollen glands and thick throat and um it must because I started, um, a new exercise program. <laughs> with the as we all know that when you start something new that's good for you well for me, when I start something new that's good for me, for some reason I'll get a little setback or get a little sick or something. So <laughs> that's think, called
2: the photon <laughs> yeah. okay. We will be discussing that later in the show <laughs> okay.
1: So I'm powering through and just being quiet today Saving myself for you, Storm I've saved myself for you
2: Yes, now it's been two weeks since we've done a live show
1: It has and I really missed it Yeah I felt like something nice. was wrong with my week
2: I, actually, I know
1: Last week didn't exist for me Because I think that's when I started getting sick actually Is after I got home from, from Santa Cruz Um, uh So just the whole Eastern time zone to Pacific time zone has threw me off.
2: Yeah, it, right. it is. It, also, airplanes kind of uh, tend to throw me off in a big uh, sort of way. Um, it
1: was about eight hours of travel on Tuesday. Now,
2: because I haven't left the house in eight years, nine, years, ten years, um, <laughs> I forgot how long. Well, I actually <laughs> do leave the house a little now, but um, well, good. Just... <laughs> Since I don't leave the house too much, I haven't been on a plane in a while, Jackie. Uh-huh. Um, but each time that I did, I would always get sick.
1: I've I've been really good about not getting sick, but I think with, um, you know, sometimes in your life stress factors come in and and you blow a couple fuses and and then, you know, you keep chugging along and then eventually it catches up to you and your body goes, listen, lady, Mm -hmm. you need to cut this shit out.
2: (laughs) Oh, did I tell you yet that I found the God Bottle? The what, what? What? The God Bottle.
1: What's the God Bottle?
2: Okay. Well, we know that I have sinus problems frequently. Uh-huh. Um, uh, it, and, wait,
1: wait Are we stepping into TMI territory? Yes,
2: we are um, <laughs> So prepare yourself Well, anyways, they have this wonderful little bottle Anybody, I recommend this to anybody That has sinus issues Big time I mean, I feel 100% better And I have not had a headache Since I started using the God bottle Huh. Um, which is this twelve ninety nine plastic bottle that you put a little salt into these little salt packages into, fill it up with water, squirt it through your nose, um, mm-hmm. uh, it comes out the other side. But it is miraculous. I know that it sounds disgusting, Jackie, but it is miraculous.
1: It's like the neti pot.
2: I think that the neti pot is a little bit too weird for me.
1: <laughs> oh. So it's shaped like a teapot and shoving that up your nose is not as weird as shoving a bottle up your nose? Yeah, okay. but the
2: bottle is a little bit more discreet.
1: I can't stand it. I can't stand it because it tickles my nose to the point where I'm like, I have to stop. I get like, all weirded out.
2: And, and that just makes you want to laugh so that you cough up some congestion.
1: <laughs> I have not gotten used to it yet. Just it's just like sex.
2: It's put, different for everybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> people can't put
1: contacts into their eyes. And I'm an old pro at it. Um, that one just, that one escapes me.
2: Oh, no, I can't wear contacts. I just get disgusted by putting the contact in my eye. You iPod. don't
1: need glasses, do you?
2: I, I, um For uh, driving those this.
1: Oh, whoop-de-woo. I can't
2: see. But I like them, actually, because I look a little bit more professorial with glasses on. And I kind of like that look and that image. I'm going to do everything now with glasses on. I've just made that decision right now. That's going to be my new... That's that's what I have learned here out of the, the Coventry Magic Show. Jackie, congratulations on having a number one best-selling book.
1: Oh, thank you very much.
2: I'm very proud
1: of you. Thank you. I'm really... I'm a little bit proud of me, too. I'm really, I'm really proud of this book and the different territory that it covers. And when I was first writing it, I'm like, oh, everybody's always written about this. And... What I've come to understand from people who have read it say, no, no, they haven't. This is just what you gleaned from their writing. Mm-hmm. Meaning that you know they're going to say the sky is blue, and then I'm going to go into, well, well, it's blue because, and that's how my that's how my brain works. I need to know why.
2: One one of the things that. I want to commend you about And anybody that's listening That has been kind of on the fence In regards to whether You were going to um, uh, Get Coventry Magic um, uh, You know that I'm uh, An intellectual Jackie And I can sit and read Jung And uh, the Zohar And all of these really Intellectual texts And make meaning out of it Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things About Coventry Magic That I found difficult to work with actually and not difficult in a bad way but difficult in a good way
0: mm-hmm.
2: is that you wrote it so down to earth that I really had to focus on issues
0: Interesting There was what does no that a- mean?
2: It, it, there was no way for me to intellectualize it. You know, I couldn't go into the theory. Um, uh, you know, it's written in such a practical way that you really don't over-inundate people with theory, um, which a lot of magic books do, you know. Um, right. uh, you know, And then you can intellectualize it. I mean, if you start going into theory for me, immediately I've got the Kindle Fire out, the Wikipedia page uh, uh, up. I'm researching <laughs> everything. I'm finding out why John, uh, High John the Conqueror Root works. Uh, you know, and, and I that is an escapism device for me in many ways, I think. You know, I think that if there is a problem um, that I'm dealing with in my life, and one of the things that uh, we will talk about a little bit further in, in the book is, you know, and, and I've mentioned this uh, before on the air, but being a sexual abuse survivor, um, one of the things that it was very easy for me to do for many years, Jackie, is get very, very caught up in the theory of it. Mm-hmm. Oh. um and it, as in effect, it was kind of avoiding um dealing with it.
1: I can see that I can absolutely see that how um how you can get sucked up in theory and i've i' theory i love theory I love the yeah. reason why, but the way- the reason why I love it so much is that I can understand how my life works. So um, I always take that intellectual stuff and I bring it down to the basics of, of how does it work in my life. And I've read a lot of magical books, and I have to say I don't like most of them. And I, I, I certainly sound snobby, don't I? But the thing is is that they bore the pants off of me.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, I'm I'm also really, as a Virgo, seven aspects in Virgo, I'm really, really hard on myself. I measure my, myself against everyone else's measuring stick rather than my own measuring stick. So if I'm reading a book on meditation and it talks about the perfect way to meditate, and I know I can't get to that perfect way to meditate, um, I I feel that I'm useless. I feel that that there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. So so what I and and I, other people have had these same experiences as they're reading books. Well, this just this this is. A bar that's set too high. I can never do this. I can't be this person. I just want to incorporate this into my life.
2: Tommy, so I spent 20-something years trying to be that person. It would totally mess up my whole life. <laughs> right.
1: And, and I I can't, you know, when I read a book on Tantra or med- meditation or, or different spell work or, you know, and this is how you, or even business development books, mm-hmm. it all feels like I can't get there. I cannot jump from here to there. I can't be that perfect. And even though when I talk to those authors, a lot of them I have um, gotten to meet, and, and I say, wow, I really can't get there to where you're talking about. They go, well, we never intended for anyone to get there. That's just, you know, something to strive for. So what I wanted to do with my book, first of all, is to make it fun. Yeah. You know what? There is enough crap going on in the world for you to then get really serious. on on reading a book, it's time to just have some fun. It's time to laugh at ourselves.
0: Uh
1: It's time to just have um, a good time. And it's all a giant cosmic joke, really, Storm. It is. All of it. Even the crap is a giant freaking cosmic joke to see what kind of reaction they can get out of us as these little plebeian humans hanging out here.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, So if you understand that, then you can stop taking... Life so seriously because very little of it has to do with you.
2: I agree with you 100%. And one of the things that I want to do on the air here, Jackie, just um, so that you know, is I really, you know, this, the process of going through this book, which even though we'll talk about your particular process, going through this book is that, you know, I went through the entire process of it with you um mm-hmm. and looking back in retrospect um it was uh, out of the books of the past year that has literally helped to change and transform me um going through wow. a, a year of therapy and things of that nature this book has also been one of my um, uh, you know one of my saving graces, and I've even told you you know before off of the air uh, you know that there was a particular time last year in which if you were not available or you were off on the rainbow tour um you know when I was going through a lot of my particular stuff dealing with uh, uh, the issues that I was going through that I would literally put because I have a signed autograph version of the book I would put that underneath my pillow, jackie. Wow! And sleep with it because it was that transformative for me.
1: I'm so I'm I'm a little flabbergasted and honored by that. Um, wow! Just why I have nothing to say. <laughs> I it was there for you, whether it was on paper or by voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was the uh,
2: you know. Okay, I'll put this book underneath this pillow, and I will get through the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> And then I can have a complete meltdown on Monday and everything will be fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: so um, there are uh, several questions. Um, I uh, really wanted to structure this particular interview over the next month um, in more of a um, Rachel Maddowish, who is my idol, um, sort I of way. I
1: that girl, too.
2: Um, and where I actually want to begin, I also, you know, just so that people know, a lot of the information that you're going to hear from Jackie has never been heard for, of from Jackie before. I have every interview she's ever done. I've listened to every interview that she's ever done. I'm like her stalker, but um, but in a good way. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, you know, and you know, if you really want to do a good job as a radio host. Get to know the person you're about to interview. Um, the question that I have never heard you ever, ever, ever talk about, Jackie, is we all know the candle story you set out on the air with uh, um, uh, Here I Keep It Magic at least four times that I know of. Yeah, um, I hear you in every interview that you have done, whether it be um, with uh, Kerrigan or with Christian or um, uh, some of the other shows that, that I've listened to that you have been on. Um, there's too many to list um, uh, of, of her radio uh, uh, interviews. Um, but I have never heard you talk about how you got involved with metaphysics and how did metaphysics lead you to magic.
1: I, it, you know it's a long and sordid story as, as they want to be. Um we got
2: four, four, four shows. Go ahead.
1: Okay. I started really um in high school. I was believe it or not, a peer counselor for Catholic Social Services. And I was um I did went through all the training with that and I had um and that really opened my eyes So the Catholicism. Training to Catholicism opened my mind to the fact that there might be other ways of thinking and um, other metaphysical properties of things. And I met a guy, a, a young man, who was really into metaphysics and the Catholic Social Services stuff, and he showed me a book on metaphysics, and it was way over my head, to be honest with you, but it talked about energy, and and that fascinated me. It was more, you know, kind of like launching you into um, chaos theory first before you get into the spiritual side of things. And that always stuck with me. And I've always, you know, I've loved paranormal shows. I've loved the psychic side of life. I really wanted to be a psychic. I have to say I kind of set out to be one. Uh I wanted to see if I could learn how to do this. But I also realized I was, when I started learning to be a psychic, um, learning those spiritual tools, that I was really empathic. And that's one of the things that that, um, was my bane in high school, is not understanding where I and other people began, which is easy to have happen in high school as it is because you're just figuring out who your adult identity is. Uh-huh. But to have that empathic stuff there at the same time, it got really confusing. So when I was, I think like my 20th birthday, um, I bought myself a present, and it was a book on runes.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, It was that first book where you get the book and the runes. Yeah, And I started playing with that, and that's, that was my first introduction. And, I, I, and as soon as I had that, I couldn't get enough. I could not get enough, and I kept looking for more and more. And I la- really launched myself into the spiritual and metaphysical world to understand how all this stuff works. And that's, it was so formative for me at that time, understanding that it's my actions, it's my um, intent that changes everything, everything in my life. And there's a couple of really good books that are still my standby to this day. Um, Marion Weinstein, um, she has a, a natural magic book that really, really shapes me. That was my Bible. It was a time when everyone was um, reading Starhawk. I don't, I don't know if you know her, but she came out um, in the 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And she was one of the first um, Wiccan authors. <clears throat> Uh, She shaped me a lot, too, but it was just that whole process of going through things, and I went through the Wiccan aspects um, and wanted to be part of a coven and wanted to be part of this family that's greater than the family and and just learned a lot in that point. It just really kind of dragged me through it. Every time I would start to turn my back and look in another direction, it would drag me right back to it because it's something that was ingrained deep within me. Even when I was a kid, um, and, you know, you write that list of what you want to be when you grow up.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I always have, like, a nun or therapist or something to, that deals with the inner workings of people and, and the spiritual aspect. And since I was Catholic, I couldn't put priest. Your option was nun or teacher. Yeah. Uh, so it's always been on my plate as something that has, has drawn me. I've always loved my connection to a higher power, to the divine, and and I lost it for a while, and I really wanted to find it again, and that's that's what the rest of the spiritual path was all about, is finding that connection to the divine, because I think the one if there's one thing that's missing from my book, is your connection to the divine energies, to your divine helpers, and I think that's the next thing I'm going to talk about.
2: Cool, that that will be definitely an interesting uh, book. I remember um, because both of us even though that you're a couple of years older than me, got involved in um, uh, metaphysics around the same time. Um, And I remember that, even though that I did not really feel a connection to it in any way, I remember the area that seemed to be most popular during the late 80s was the whole lynn andrews carlos Castaneda um oh yeah yeah uh you know stuff which i don't know I, I don't think that it's necessarily in vogue anymore but um
1: they're good they're great stories
2: yeah there were you know the whole medicine wheel um mm-hmm. um- native American mysticism type of stuff that has uh percolated, and one of the things that I have seen um over the uh the course of the last yeah, you know, 25 years of doing this, is it's really metaphysics has moved more into um, the practical, um, uh, or at least the metaphysical authors that I'm attracted to are moving more into the practical. How do we get out of these huge, grand um, uh, idealisms? Um, You're really
1: uh, reminding me of how, at that point when I first started, your power didn't come... From you, the no. power was granted to you.
0: Yes.
1: And that's what a lot of people talked about at that time, Lynn B. Andrews stuff, the uh, Carlos Castaneda, but also in a lot of the books, it was it was going through the process of of initiation and opening yourself to these these greater powers. And, and what my experience was is that this has always been here. Yeah. This has always been here. You've all you are whoever's listening. You've always been magic. And it's really getting back to some of that childhood innocence that brings that magic back.
2: One one of the things also that I think that was very peculiar about that particular time period, uh, Jackie, is um, there weren't – it wasn't really – Popular. I mean, it was a heavy, heavy niche, the whole metaphysical realm at that particular point. And, of course, it. Um, I think the lead way, it, 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 and, and I have to be very, very grateful for this, if it was not for probably Shirley McLean, we would have probably never been able to go into this particular field in the way that we have. Um,
1: I, I agree with you 100%. I really appreciate that woman for risking yeah. everything,
2: and she really made it where um, it at least went enough into pop culture that um, that people could um, could embrace it. And I remember, um, I think I was sixteen when Out on a Limb the movie came out. And I remember looking at that, and of course, you know, um, I didn't know anybody, you know, growing up that had these particular forms of abilities or, um, you know, knew what the word clairvoyance was. I didn't even know what the word clairvoyance was. Um, um, I just knew that there was something that was radically different. Um, And one of the things, and I think that one of the drawbacks that, that came out of, um, the Shirley MacLaine thing um, was, and of course, this Lynn, this moved into the Lynn Andrews and Carlos Cusinon stuff, is that there seemed to be more of an identification, probably because it was such a niche, a spiritual area at that particular point mm-hmm. that you that being involved in it some way made you special, and I could never ever embrace that. I couldn't Mm -hmm. embrace the what makes me more special than anybody else um, type of of mentality really Mm -hmm. Um, and my um, uh, uh, where I think that we're at right now is that we've moved more into a point in which Metaphysics and um, uh, Larger idealisms And metaphysical idealisms uh, Have reached a particular point That it's able to get to the practical Because it's not about special Someone being special or anointed Okay, Everybody is special and anointed In some way Absolutely. Um, But it has to do more with Evolving the individual um, And I think that you really did a great job With Coventry Magic in regards to doing that Now did you do any traditional uh, Magical studies?
1: I did. I studied. Um, I studied the Wiccan path. I also studied ceremonial magic. Oh um, <laughs> Yeah, I was not. I couldn't. I couldn't do it because I couldn't follow the rules that closely because the rules didn't feel like mine. Uh-huh. Which is why I'm. I I take the path that I have, which is make the rules your own, and that confuses some people. Um, because they want someone to give them the rules, at least a starting point. And I, I say yes, absolutely. It's great to have a starting point to see how it works out, and then you know, go off road and spiritually on your own. But mostly, it was the different Wiccan paths um, or the different Reconstructionist paths I looked at for a long time, and then they all left me really flat. I've also studied. Um, I've I've been um, baptized in Santeria. And so I studied um the a t r African traditional religions, and that's where I found some really intense connection to the divine and I was really able to wake that up because I was trying to um i was trying to connect with these divine beings that I didn't feel were even connected to the earth anymore and trying to make them so it was just a process for me um again looking for the divine and understanding it and understanding that and it's when i was um, baptized in Santeria is when I figured out, oh, it's inside me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's always been. It's always been. So I love to help people find that. I love helping them find that.
2: The, uh, Santeria, has. Uh, I've never been really attracted to it um, uh, in, in a major sort of way. I mean, I know a little bit about it offhandedly. But the reason being is that when I lived in Los Angeles, um, uh, the uh, One of my clients Was a madam And I asked her During, uh, you know, we were just talking And, you know, things of that nature And I just said to her What is the weirdest um, appointment That you've ever had A guy ever asked you And basically the appointment was this I want your prettiest girl And I need her to bring a live chicken I have, <laughs> not, have not been
0: able to do that every day, You know <laughs>
1: Wow, well, that is not part of any Elay or Santerian tradition I've ever uh, heard of, talked about or been a part of. Because it's really about the participants. It's not about the people outside of the outside of the uh experience. It's about the people inside the experience. So that's fascinating. Yeah. But but in the beginning Santeria scares the bejesus out of me. And I was I was not interested in it. It was against all my tenants, et cetera, et cetera. And then, um I met some uh Santos who really brought um who were initiated in Santoria um who who brought me a, a new understanding of it and it's beautiful it's yeah. it's, it's absolutely beautiful. So like, yeah can I do that?
2: We have to take a break. On the other side we will start digging into Coventry magic. Do not touch that dial. You're listening to keep it magic. <laughs>
0: The plastic bag Drifting through the wind Wanting to start again Do you ever feel this so paper thin Like a house of cards, One blow from caving in
2: Welcome back to Keep It Magic I'm Storm Sestavani. Um And you're listening to my interview With the incredibly talented And gifted and amazing Miss <laughs> Jackie Smith Who you can reach at www.coventrycreations.com If you would like an autographed copy Of Coventry Magic um, Order the book from Coventry Creations um, In the little box in checkout Say that you would like Jackie To autograph the book for you And she will Find a Sharpie to do it for you, so check that out. Um, Jackie, uh, right away, you, know, you know, first of all, the great thing about your book, I think, is that you turn everything, not only in regards to magic, but in regards to many popular metaphysical theories on its head. And one of the first things that you begin discussing is, uh, uh, and I believe it was with your sister, but um, you begin discussing what has become the Law of Attraction fad, in metaphysical thought. Could you explain your beliefs about Law of Attraction and why many of the popular teachings, uh, uh, you know, such as The Secret and other um, forms of uh, uh, Law of Attraction uh, mythology, um, as I want to put it, uh, uh, kind of uh, is it limited.
1: <laughs> I have to say that I did not keep up on the popular spiritual literature for a long time. So that when one of my customers says, here's the secret, oh, my God, you got to watch it. That's what your candles are all about. So I watched it, and I went, yeah, I've been doing this for years. <laughs> That's what magic is all about. That's what all this personal evolution is all about, and I've been doing it for years and years and years. So I just laughed and I said, and this person right here has a brilliant marketing format. Law of Attraction is, it, we were ready for it. So many of the, so much of the um, foundation has been laid for it. I mean, think about, really think about, we we're, were just talking about where we were 25 years ago.
0: Uh-huh.
1: This is also brand new. If you brought the Law of Attraction out 25 years ago, they'd go, look, it's another Dale Carnegie horse. You know, so now that we've evolved in our in our spiritual teachings, we've had many layers of it. We've evolved as human beings. I mean, this is a whole generation, really, that we've gone through in this time frame. That um, the law of attraction, which I have not, I have to admit fully, I have not read through. I've read snippets of it, uh-huh. the Abraham Hicks stuff. Um, I and and I've seen The Secret. Um, but all that I mean it was it's we're ready for it so much is like um all of these different television shows had already come out, all of these different um um Wayne Dyer had been out and and all these different um unity churches, et cetera had been sending this message for quite a while
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that when when um the law of attraction came out it, it, the pump was primed it was perfect, it was absolutely perfect, it was brilliant marketing, and there's a lot to be said for brilliant marketing, yeah. I mean, we had already gone through the Celestine prophecy and conversations with God. All of that stuff had already been out, and this is this is like the along those lines, along those same messages.
2: Now, isn't this? Doesn't this all actually go back to a Course of Miracles?
1: Which I've never gone through, but yes, but the little bit that I've, the masterminding that I've seen, this is exactly it.
2: Okay. Yeah. So. uh...
1: And so, when my sister said to me, "Isn't this just positive thinking?" Because that's um, from her level, from from her, where she's from, what she does, um, well, she's not in the spiritual world. She's in the very practical world. She's a, a second-grade teacher, and her husband's a Republican and works in the medical industry. This is not their world at all, but their world is absolutely filled with positive thinking. And here's the fantastic thing about all this stuff. The leadership work that I'm doing, I'm always like learning new business stuff, and, and yeah. lately, I've been in a new leadership training program. It's all based in this, all of it. So when I go in there with my information and my books, and every people are looking at me like, "Wow, how come you're not a multi-billionaire?" and I'm like, "Well, I had a couple of the wrong turns along the way, but, um, but this is—I—I I feel like I'm ahead of the game with this. Um, so I've been doing it. I've been there. I've been okay. doing it.
2: One of the difficulties, I think, with um, the whole law of attraction stuff is the way that it is marketed, um, uh, brilliant marketing. Um, I think that it paints a picture, though, that you don't have to create any form of action. And one of the things that I think is most important about the Coventry Magic book Um and really, a lot of the most important things are in Chapter 1. And basically, you believe that magic domain, demands change. Mm-hmm. Um, could you explain that a little?
1: Um, well, everything demands change. But yes, magic demands change because um, you can't expect. It's it's that simple statement from, simply it's so true statement from Albert Einstein, if you continue to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, that's the definition of insanity. So we've got your life right here, and if you're having an issue with love or money or protection or whatever it is, it's because you've been doing something over and over again that sends you to that same path. You, If you don't have an issue with it, then you don't need to do magic around it. If you need to do magic around it, that means it's an issue in your life, and that's okay because we all have some kind of issue. I know talking to this one gal, her and I have been, I've lost touch with her since this, but and I've been friends for years, and I got to tell you she never had an issue with money. I mean she was a school teacher um, then an administrator, and then up and she kept going up and and the woman was making almost a hundred thousand dollars a year,
0: uh-huh.
1: but she couldn't find a date to save her life beautiful, beautiful woman, powerful woman she couldn't she she couldn't find a date; she just wanted to have a family and have kids me on the other hand. You know, I went from I got divorced and I was immediately in a new relationship. Um, uh, well, you know, within months, so that's pretty immediate. But I couldn't I couldn't keep two two dimes in my hand to keep rubbing them together to create friction and create more. So we talked about this quite a bit, and she said I'd rather have love in my life than money. And I'm like, listen, money can heal a lot of wounds. Let me tell you. Yeah. So, so we had this different perspective on things, and that's when I really started looking at, oh, we all have the things that we have our, our luck with or our, our ashe or our karma with that's easy for us. We never pay attention to that. We pay attention to what's not easy. And we, we moan and bemoan that. But that's where the issue is, and that's what the thing is that you were put here on the earth to overcome. And
2: that's a great segue into my next question, which is, Why do you believe that magic makes you evolve and grow?
1: Because you evolve or you die. Um, Just even as a human being without any magic layered onto that. Mm -hmm. um, As you go from job to job or from college to being a single young adult to married and kids, we all evolve. Our our identity evolves. Um, And we learn new things. And our experience is is our language that we use to build upon the next thing and the next thing. We always evolve. And so if you use magic, which is purposeful intent, manifesting purposeful intent, it's an acronym. It's just that's what magic is. You you set your intent. This is where I want to go. This is what I want to manifest. And when you do that, you're evolving with it. It forces you to evolve. It forces you to have a new perspective.
2: Great, great, great answer. I love that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even add to that. <laughs>
1: um, That's a great question, too, though. Uh, it made me really think.
2: The, in, in Chapter 2, uh, which is called, um, Am I Doing the Right Thing? Oh, my God, Am I Doing the Right Thing?
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, my God, am I doing the right thing? Yeah. That's the name of that chapter, just like that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love what you talk about at the beginning of chapter two because it resonates with the Kabbalistic belief of Satan, which is vastly different than the, con- the Christian concept of Satan. Um, the satan in Kabbalah is known as the opponent, and it's an inner energy that constantly challenges us and pushes us to the next level. Um, so, in, in in Kabbalah, you know the, the The belief is kind of, to bring it down to um, English, um, there's two radio stations that are going on inside of your head at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. You have, uh, you know, which can kind of remind you of those, you know, pictures of the angel sitting on one shoulder and the the devil sitting on the other. Mm -hmm. Um, But in Kabbalah, basically, the Satan is a necessary component because it allows us to evolve more into an energy like God, Um, And if we didn't face, in order for us to become like God, we have to face adversities and grow and change and evolve and deal with our own personal garbage. Um, And, you know, and and again, in my intellectualism, I went, you know, 13 years uh, studying Kabbalah and really not applying it. (laughs) Because I could really intellectualize it good, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's really interesting, um, that you talk about, uh, you know, needing to be, uh, you know, needing to understand that, you know, when we work with, with magic, that oftentimes we're on the wrong road, and that the purpose of magic is to move us to the right road, and there's a great story in Coventry Magic about, um, a woman that comes to you um, uh, because she is afraid that her um, uh, boyfriend or husband, whatever he was, um, was going to cheat on her every five minutes. And she was coming every week to get candles from you, Mm -hmm. you know, to try to keep him from straying. Um, And basically, it got to a particular point that she wanted him to go. Um, uh, And, you know, eventually, I guess you helped get rid of him. But uh, uh, why do you think that magic helps get us on to the right path?
1: Well, I think you have to look at it in two different ways. you got to get on the right path um, for magic to really start working. You can continue to band-aid the same thing, and you're going to keep repeating the same issue, and that's the point of, oh my God, am I doing the right thing? Yeah. Is that if you're finding yourself um, hitting your head up against the wall on the same thing over and over and over again, that means that you're not looking at the right direction. Like with this woman who kept doing magic to keep keep her man. Now, does that mean that she needs to get rid of this man? I don't know. You don't know until you get into the middle of it. It might be that she really, need, she really, really needed to set her boundaries. She needed to address this relationship in a new way. She needed to get strong. So it really wasn't about the man. And it's never really about the other person or the other thing; it's always about you. Mm-hmm. But yet life isn't about you at the same time, but it is still always about you. It's like a twisted little thing. Other people's actions are never about you. Your own actions are always about you. And if you kind of that's that four agreements thing that um, that's the one thing I pulled from four agreements that it's it's you, you don't take it personally. Yeah. Um. But with with getting on your path of destiny when you get on your path of destiny and kind of let go things start to happen really nicely for you things start to flow a lot faster and when and and the other thing about getting on your path of destiny is they happen nice and fast and then right up until boom they hit the next block
0: mm-hmm. the ne-
1: the next issue and then when you know when you're, the issues are getting a bit bigger and a bit bigger, you're really on your path of destiny because they're, those those fears are, are nasty little buggers and they will do everything they can to keep you off it. So that's when, because that's the, one of the big questions that I always had from, from students and clients, is like, but but all these horrible things keep happening. I'm like, then keep moving through them. I'll give you a for instance, and we're laughing about it early at the beginning of the show, is, I swear to you, I get sick every time I start to work out. Mm -hmm. Every time, and this is one of my big issues. Waste has always been an issue my entire life. And I realized for a long time it was not my issue, it was other people's issues that that I had accepted on myself. Well, I had accepted on myself for so long, now it's become my issue. Mm -hmm. And so every time I work out to the point where, I mean, many, many years ago I'm like, okay, we're going to do this new workout routine and I'm going to meet you guys at the gym. I bought the gym membership the night before I was supposed to start. I literally um, tore the ligaments in my knee. You know, and and then, um, but today, today it's, I usually get a week and a half. Lately I get a week and a half and then I get sick. I got sick the first damn day. So that means I'm getting really, I'm getting a lot closer.
2: You're getting a lot closer, uncrossing, 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 uncrossing. Yep. Just keep burning, uncrossing him. And,
1: and so what that <laughs> is 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 that sometimes you, you go in and you heal it, and sometimes it is you power through. Sometimes yeah. that's what the healing is, is powering through. So that's why I'm going to go with the uncrossing. Um, actually, that's a great oil to put on today now that I think about uncrossing and the healing so we can uncross it and lift it from there. You have taught
2: me well. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yes,
1: yes, I have and it is true because this is you started out going so um i don't like using candles i just like using oils mm-hmm. <laughs> i remember those first conversations
2: yeah the uh uh it is uh, uh fascinating my own process of of working with candle magic um and one of the things I, I will tell you you know and this was in if it's in perfectly with with uh chapter 2 is in the oh my god am i doing the right thing i had this crazy cockamamie idea about two years ago jackie as i was flipping through you know one of the uh the little mini booklets that you have um uh which if you don't have it there's a great pick a guide candle from uh coventry creation um and i decided you know what i really uh um, i tend to isolate myself a lot and i you know, don't have an enormous amount of people in my life. I just can't deal with them for the most part. Um, but I decided to do this crazy thing called the seven steps to creating friendship.
0: <laughs> now,
2: Of course, you know, what I thought is, you know, oh, good, I'll attract myself a million friends, and I'll be happy, and the world is going to be lovely, and all this other stuff. Um, And, uh, you know, during that two-year process, everybody that was not real in my life, Jackie, blew away. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, um, slowly, you know, my entire circle just blew away, and one of the things that I can look at now is what that particular, uh, you know, to get me onto my path, basically what had to happen, and for me to attract the particular friendships that I wanted, which were based upon realism, which were based upon... um, uh, uh, a real compassion and real understanding And n- no judgment And uh, 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 things things along those lines Which I desperately needed in order to start to heal my issues You know what I mean? Right. I needed that, to feel that there was somebody out there That actually cared about me enough That it would propel me to go and, and do that um, And that, that's
1: what magic can be transformative And that, yeah. that was the original title of the book Is Transformational Magic um, and then I changed it to Coventry Magic to connect with all the Coventry stuff, and that's, that was the recommendation to keep it at Coventry Magic. Um, so the the process is magic can be very transformative. Yeah. It can change your life. It can heal. It, and people look at, at magic as just the thing that you do. You know, I need to make rent. I need another couple hundred bucks. I need this. But <clears throat> it's much deeper than that. Excuse me, it's much, much deeper than that. It can actually change the process of your life so that you're not worried about the next hundred bucks. Uh,
2: Exactly. And in my case, you know, the four friends that I have
0: (laughs) are pretty good. (laughs) But,
1: But look at how that process worked. Now, again, I want to point out that this was a two year process. Yeah. So magic works within nature. This is the other thing that's really important to talk about. It works within your life. Um um sometimes it can rip and tear, but it usually is a process. And so when you um you went through that process and found that, oh, okay, these um I can't actually find new friends if I keep these because of how I behave. Uh-huh. It's very true. I mean, um yeah. that whole that seven steps to finding friends. I actually went through a lot of that in my personal life and this is as I wrote that in the um in the pick a candle guide, I was thinking about the different processes I went through as I have found and lost friends. Yeah. And and I think that people come in and out of your life. They really do. Yeah. Know. Um so a lot of this comes from experience, but, you know, it can rip and tear, but you've got to clear the deck before you can get the new stuff in.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you 100%. But, you know, at this moment right now, um, I'm quite happy with where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> which leads us into um, the Chapter 3, actually, which is Spheres of Influence. <laughs> um, what do you mean by sphere of influence, and how can someone use it to affect change in their
1: lives? Well, um, Actually, I just started reading, um, rereading, I should say, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I had listened to it before, and there's a lot of it I didn't pay attention to. And he actually talks about spheres of influence quite a bit as well, and your sphere of influence and your sphere of something else, whatever. But um, your sphere of influence are the people that are around you, the people whose lives touch yours. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, um, then other t- lives touch theirs, and then other lives touch theirs, and so on and so on. And we're in a Breck commercial, so we, um, your spheres of influence are what sh- is one of the things that shape you. And and this is so very true. Um, if you are around, and and I, I talk about this quite a bit, and, and and you know, sometimes I talk to my husband about this, and he thinks I'm just being really judgy. And I say, look at if you continually have people in your life that invite drama in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you will always have drama in your life. If you continually invite in people who cannot quite get their shit together, you will never get your shit together because if you start to get your shit together, you will be invalidated by the people who cannot get their life in order. Um, if you don't like drama that these people are bringing in, but yet they live for it, um they will it will always be you'll always be filled with it, and when you start to get rid of the drama, you realize, oh, I gotta make a choice. do I get rid of them or keep the drama so your sphere and and then on the other hand, when you surround yourself with people who are going to challenge you to better yourself. You get validated when you start to better yourself and people, you know, give you a big hurrah. So, like, let's say um, you want to go, you're an addictive personality, you go into a 12-step program. You immerse yourself in that sphere of influence of that 12-step program. That's why they say don't go hang out with your friends anymore. Yeah. And really some of that sphere of influence came from when I was in high school. um, I went into a 12-step program with my friends. Uh, Uh They were all going through treatment. I was, again, that empathic person. Yeah. So I'm hanging with them. Right? Actually
2: she should have been across the room as a codependent anonymous leader and all Probably
1: that's <laughs> more like it, But my friends were all in AA, so I yeah. had to go there too to to continue to interact with them. But I learned a lot and that's one, one of the places I learned about spheres of influence. But here's the other thing that I've I've come to understand. Magic takes two people. Yeah. And that when I just when I saw that in Santa Cruz I had these the looks of Oh the light bulbs going on in everybody's head. Magic always takes two people. I, I have not found a spell that doesn't take two people. That doesn't take at least two people. Yeah. Um and and um my friend Wolf came up to me and goes, I got one for you and he gives me the, the whole rundown. I go, Yeah, that takes about twenty people <laughs> So there really isn't a spell that's only you. Because even the spells for self improvement need another person to reflect that thought process off of.
2: And not only that, say for example, Jackie, you were to start doing the um, uh, a box of uh, uncrossing candles, mm-hmm. and then you were to do the. I believe that there's a three step one for uh, physical fitness in the pick uh, a candle guide. Um, and you were to oh, do those, you throw
1: my words back at me. All right, fine. Okay, keep going.
2: And you were to do those three three um, candles, even though that it would be you know the focus of it is your own self improvement. Okay, if you self improve, how is that going to affect the in, in, uh, your relationship with your daughter, your relationship with your husband, your work? If you're feeling about yourself and more confident, and you're you're physically stronger, how is that going to affect all these people? So you're right.
1: Well, also. Also, I don't know how to work out. I don't necessarily, I mean, I have read enough books on dieting and working out that I'm kind of an expert with having not done it well. Yeah. But it still took that other person to bring that information to me.
2: That could be a whole workshop. It takes two babies. <laughs> that could be a whole workshop, Jackie, that you could start doing. How not to work out. <laughs> you see, if you don't do all the mistakes I have done, you will lose weight and be healthy. <laughs> right.
1: So it's basically called Eat More and Move Less. Wait, <laughs> eat less and move more.
2: <laughs> it's very great. Um, before we go to a break, there is a wonderful story that you have in the sphere of influence about the denver airport mm-hmm. could you tell mm-hmm. that story
1: It's one of my favorite favorite stories to give you the the cliff notes version as patty and i are getting on the um shuttle bus from the denver airport to where the car rental is and it's like five miles i swear to you and this is a miserable ride and it's usually hot and everyone's tired and it's the middle of the day and the bus was packed and um so we're all crammed in like sardines with our luggage And the gal kind of sitting around the corner from me in the bench seat, um, beautiful woman, beautiful curly gray hair. She looked probably maybe 60, 65, if that, but she was gorgeous. She was put together. She looked fresh as a spring morning, let me tell you. Uh And um, as Patty and I were talking about things and I was referencing how a friend of mine always has something nice to say to people, and I really admired that about her. And then I thought to myself, so why am I not doing it if I admire this so much? So I leaned over to this woman and I said, I said, I just want to tell you, you look amazing for having just gotten off a plane. I want to be you. I want to be as cool as you. And, and she laughed and she didn't know what to do with that compliment and we chatted for a hot second. And she was she was also, before I had said that to her, she was looking kind of dejected, looking a little lost and a little unhappy. Well, Sheila was looking great after that. She was smiling and having a good old time. Then um, when we got to the rental car place, oh, my God, there was a line out the door. I cried a little. It was There was such a long line, and I just did not want to be traveling anymore. I wanted to be in my hotel. And I can get a little impatient. It was cacophony there. There was people standing around. The kiosk to do the automatic check-in with your car was broken, the the line snaked all around on the inside and then out the door, there was, it was children running around, there was cars It was crazy, it's crazy I tell you mm-hmm. Well I was working really hard to get this kiosk working <laughs> so I wouldn't have to stand in this line and it just wasn't going to happen. So I finally get in line and I'm at the end, Patty and I are at the end and uh, and I look and the woman who had gotten off the shuttle, she had just gotten in the line she started talking to people and it was crazy what happened. She started, the baby was crying, so she started playing with the baby. The baby calmed down. The mom wasn't as frustrated. She got her kids wrangled. And, and then and then it was like a kumbaya moment where people were helping other people and watching luggage so they could wrangle the kids, and other people were keeping kids entertained. And, and, you know, these people were holding the line for these people over here so they could play with their kids and get them to sleep. And it was crazy. The line went faster. Everyone was happier. It was. It was. Um, people were laughing. Um, the folks were smiling at the counter. They looked like they were, you know, road hard, put away, wet up at the counter because, like, they their life was hell. And and it was. It really was a magical moment of just using a sphere of influence in the moment and what that can happen. And and we got to witness it this time.
2: Yeah. It it is. Uh, it is amazing when you. Uh, stuff like that um uh happen which is why um i think that that we should in our day-to-day life as much as possible take in you know keep in mind the particular effects that our um actions and our behavior and our words um may have on many people um Uh, It's a really – I was just – I had to read that story twice. It was so good. (laughs) (laughs) We have to take a break. Um, We will be talking more about the book Coventry Magic on the other side. You're listening to Keep It Magic.
1: Here's where it piss you off But it's really only five pages long
2: Yeah, I know But, but it's, 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 a, it's a tough section um, it, is,
1: it is But here's I don't care I do care I care immensely what has happened to you in your life Yeah. And I am never in, in a million years Would ever say that children or, or victims of random acts of violence Are totally responsible for, for everything that's going on But where you are responsible for is right now today Yes yeah. Right now today You're responsible For how this defines you Or how you choose for this to define you
2: You know Kabbalah takes it Even a a step further um, And it would be Here is where I piss you off And why you're probably going to throw this book (laughs) Uh, um, Kabbalah One of the primary Beliefs is that Even if something like this did happen To you um, that there is some form of larger purpose that you may not understand, or some form of reason for this to get you um uh, on your path in a significant way and uh, uh, you know, I know being a sexual abuse survivor, this was very, very difficult for me to embrace. Mm-hmm. um uh because uh you know in essence, I would not be able to be the person that i am um without uh, uh, uh you know that particular uh situation really um
1: so, well, let's let's talk about that for sure. a hot second because i I agree with the Kabbalah in the sense that um yeah there's always a there's always a greater purpose um but sometimes we don't even want to approach it you don't want to approach the greater purpose because it is so frustrating. Yeah. And um and so we just it's too much. It's absolutely too much. So if you at the very least at the very very least say, you know what I'm going to um I'm going to uh uh take responsibility for my life today. But I have to say as an adult, as kids you can't control your world cuz you're thrown into situations that and and you're you're taught different things and 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 you're not in control. But as you approach your your adulthood, you make choices. You make choices on you know one of the big things I talked about and and I was challenged on this in Santa Cruz and and this woman was uh, just a uh, just a hot mess about the whole thing and and um and I really felt for her and we spent a lot of time on this and we did some healing work around it. But if you're choosing to live in the middle of the ghetto and yet you're saying, why do I keep being broken into? And I'm saying this because it happened to me, not in judgment of anyone else. Then you got to wake up and say, you know what, i got to get the hell out of here. It is more, you know, when I said that to my daughter, I said, um, this is you taking responsibility for your life when she wanted to go into a situation that there was more likelihood of her being sexually assaulted than not. I said, this is one of those choices in your life that that shapes you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so, and so, this is sometimes you get, and even at age fifteen, I'm saying you are responsible for your life. You are responsible for the choices that you make, because it's all about that. It's all about your responsibility and and ethics and all of that. It's about choice, and they're very situational. Your your the whole thing the whole thing is very situational because I can't tell you how I would react if somebody came at me. With a baseball bat, I can't tell you uh-huh. because there's so many factors. Would I duck and run? Would I would I you know hand over all my money? Would I cower in fear? I don't know. Would I freeze? I don't know because I've never been in that situation. I don't have any training for it, and and um and it was blindsiding me, and I didn't know what to do. So you you can't know, and you just know that that the choices that you make as a human being. The choices that, that um and the type of person you are is gonna define what you do in that moment. It's gonna define what your what your ethics are of the situation is.
2: Yeah, definitely. On page twenty two, you tell people to step off the woo woo train and stop trying to find meaning in everything. Could you explain this a little bit more?
1: Um Yeah. Um, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? Sometimes it's not not where you're at. You just need to move through it, and you need to decide whether it defines you or not. Okay. What choices have I made in my life? And that's exactly what I said. I'm living in the middle of the ghetto, and the neighborhood's getting worse and worse. And I'm saying, why do I keep getting broken into? Why aren't my guides protecting me? Well, your my warriors are telling me, get the hell out.
2: Yeah, your guide is saying, get the hell out of the ghetto. <laughs> right, right. So, so
1: sometimes you need to step off the woo-woo train and not, and stop trying to, to fix the moment and think, what are the choices that I've made to get to this this point point? And, and stop trying to say, but I don't understand. What's my place in the universe? Well, your place in the universe is where your ass is sitting right now. So look around you, pay attention, and make some changes. Because the metaphysical, the spiritual, does not function outside of the physical. Mm -hmm. It functions with and in conjunction with the physical
2: You um, talk about in Chapter 5 Which is called And I Cry Why (laughs) um, The why factor And one of the things that you uh, uh, Trained me about Is that often the reason that somebody is coming to you for magic May not be the real reason Mm -hmm. Um, Could you go into that a little bit?
1: Well, we're we're again those those fears and those blocks are awesome at their job. They have existed your entire life or for a long time, longer than you've been aware of them, and they've been doing their job really well. So they've gotten in the way of your personal evolution in this one area. So when you are having an issue in that area, I got to tell you, it's probably not okay, 99.99% of the time, it's really not with that issue. It's the lie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: it's the it's the thing that's um, pushing the buttons to keep you distracted from what the real issue is. So in the book I have this whole exercise of how um, you get into this place where you are listening to your body and your inner voice and you ask, why is that? Um, when I do these classes, I actually just made the decision that when I do the class next time, I'm going to pair people up rather than trying to have people do this on their own, because it's really hard to do on your own because you're a really good liar to yourself. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: We are brilliant at it. We can craft whatever story we need to justify our actions. It's amazing. Talent, let me tell you, talent. Um, So what this does is it helps you move underneath all of that to find the, the real issue. Because when you find the real issue, when I find, every time I find an issue of why I'm doing something it helps me get to the next level. It helps me. Oh, I don't have to deal with that anymore. I don't have to deal with that insanity anymore. Um, when I, when I, you know, and it might be something as simple as my daughter. I took this why into practical life, and my daughter was being hell on wheels. She's 15, and she was being that roly-eyed, um, fifteen-year-old, <laughs> and um, and I, I'm, I'm ready to just throttle her. I'm ready to punch her right in the throat and go to jail for it. I'm just fed up. And so I sat down and I said, why? Why is she behaving this way? What is she behaving this way about? What's going on? So then I went home that night. I said, come on, we're going out to dinner. We took her out to dinner. I said, I get that you're not happy with something and you're behaving in a certain way instead of communicating to me and I don't think you know how to communicate to me. So what I'm seeing is that you're not feeling heard. And when you're not feeling heard, you stop communicating and you start acting out. So I'm here, and what would you like to tell me? See how that worked just in my practical life, and and so now we have a routine where um, if she's stressed out, not feeling heard, she asks to go to dinner. Just the two of us in a place where nobody knows either one of us. We're not going to get distracted. But you can, when you get underneath the surface of that, it can be something as simple as that, or it can be um, more intense um, of of why am I, you know, why do I keep why am I always short in my paycheck, you know, and then you just l- go underneath the layers and and that's something that I had to ask myself why am I always short of money personally, and and I got to the point where, um, what it was is I felt guilty for um, having anything of my own. I come from a big family, and we were trained never to covet anything of our own. How dare you, you greedy little snot bag. Yeah. Um and I went, Oh, I get to have things of my own and I really worked a lot on that. I worked on healing that quite a bit. Um and I worked on that magic of feeling deserving and filling myself with, with the earth energy and doing some stuff. And you know what? If I want something the money shows up for it. And you know, apparently I haven't hit the, you know, four million dollar want something, money shows up for it. Uh-huh. But but I I got a store out of it. You know, I wanted a store. It showed up, so I'm pretty good.
2: Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I think that um, the why is that is which you know a couple of years ago you and I modified into a tarot spread mm-hmm. um, uh, for the purpose of really giving to the particular. Roots. The tarot is great because, um, especially if you're working with it alone. It's much more difficult, I think, especially when there's... Even though that you can get into self-deception and uh, uh, things of that nature, even with the tarot. um, uh, One of the things that I think that the tarot, why is that spread, does is at least it gives you a point and or a path in the particular direction uh, that it is. And oftentimes... Um the financial issue that one is going through may have a much larger deeper level, which has to do with you know possibly self esteem or feeling that they're worth money or feeling that they you know can have the energy to go back to school and, and and make improvement in regards to their lives and I think it's a very uh you know the why is that before somebody goes and um and uh does anything they can even use the uh the the online Coventry magic Oracle. Yep. And ask the question, "Why is that?" And get to um, the particular roots, basically, of what may really be going on.
1: It's true because um, I recently did this for myself because um, I'm really, I'm really like, do not want to do, um, do not want to do um, webinars. And I'm like, why is that? It's a great way to communicate with a lot of people at once. Mm-hmm. Less traveling. I'm, I'm finding that I don't want to be away from my family as much and my friends as much. So why is that? Why am I hating this so much? And I went a couple of layers deep. I won't bore you with the details, but it got to, got down to I'm really afraid of um, having a group of people looking at me as their teacher and group. Oh,
2: stop, stop, stop. Honey, I have done 490 webinars online in the past two years,
1: uh-huh. and I
2: have main, maybe have seen the host of the webinar once.
1: Right. So, so again, but I had to understand what's my yeah. what is my I'm res- you know what? I'm really um I don't want to be responsible for a bunch of people. It's really what it comes down to. And I just put it in that guru thing to kind of laugh at myself about it, but I don't want to I don't want to feel responsible for a bunch of people. And uh and I was like, "Oh, I can knowing that, I can build it in a certain way." Yeah. Um because I love people. I absolutely love hanging out with them, and, and I love talking to them. And I love teaching them, and all that other stuff. I just don't like having to answer every 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 question. So, that's why you, you have up.
2: a ten minute Q and A at the end. <laughs> ten so, Only ten minutes. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: um, but but it was it, that was it got got me to that point. Where I'm like, oh, that's what it is. And so it's really not the webinar that I'm not liking. It's it's um something different something that I'm I'm worried about for myself.
2: Yeah. Um uh d- well there's I think that we should all be a little bit reflective in regards to sitting down and and making the choices um uh uh that we make and I think that we need to really uh, plot out and think clearly about um uh, uh about what the reasons that why we are doing things. Mm-hmm. Um one more question, because this will probably take you five minutes to go through.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, how did you come up with the seven steps?
1: Um, you know, I, I could tell you it's a whole big process and stuff, and and um and there was a lot of it came from studying with my friend Cindy. Um, she was I was writing a class while she was doing her master's thesis, which she added a step to Elizabeth Kubler Ross's. Um, Five stages of breathing. It was really, I, I was really fascinated with that for a while, and um, I kind of used that in my daily life and my processing of, of different issues. And I went, but this is all about dying. I want to live. Uh-huh. <laughs> I really, I just want to live. So as I was looking at um, my notes of my own processes, but also. How I worked with my clients in different places where they got stuck, it just it quickly came together. It was like boom, there it is and i'm I love processes. I love steps. I love things numbered and orderly, so then I can use them as I will uh-huh. um It's that virgo organized side of me with file folders and and third cut tabs and little bendable displays. Oh, I love all that crap. So so this fed right into that and and it just came about and then I kept challenging it and I kept challenging it is it really seven steps how does this fit in and I and I did tweak it a couple times before I actually finished writing it down but it's not they're not linear steps they're not you have to take step 1 to take step 2 just take step 3
0: uh-huh.
1: um and of course you know my my few years in in a 12 step program helped as well but again they're never linear they're all they're all they're circular and so that's the same thing with the seven steps. It's very circular. Where do you need to be right now? Yeah. What, what do you need to look at? What's missing in your process? All of this that I'm teaching you is is not to say, okay, I have to do this whole process. It's what's missing in what I'm doing. Um, because you're all you're naturally doing all this stuff anyway. You're naturally using the elements. You're naturally using the why is that. You're naturally using all of these steps in your process of creating the life for you that you want the question is what's missing in this process, what am I missing, so what I want not manifesting. So this is all about when magic doesn't work. We all know how to light a candle and, and set an intention. And when that works, it's easy. So um, this is the stuff that you got to do when that doesn't work. But it wasn't five minutes. How about that?
2: <laughs> well, speaking of, well, I always have a backup question just in case. Um, speaking of process, uh, what process did you use to write Coventry Magic? And did you have an inner experience while you were going through it?
1: Um, well, I wrote it twice. The first time I wrote it, I wrote it as course material about five, six years ago when I went up and down the East Coast on my first, um, my, when the Light My Fire Tour is what my staff called it. And it was um, 8 and a half by 11 Spiral Bound. It was great. It was just this great little course book. And um people wanted it. They wanted to keep it. So it was part for six for um I think it was for eighty dollars for the class. You got the course material it was a long seminar. Mhm. Uh-huh. When I go out to do different to different places and um but it wasn't fleshed out like this. I actually, um the second time I wrote it when Wiser was interested in publishing it, I changed the order of it and then I needed to put more words in it. I needed to take everything that I was saying in the class. And put it in the book because I hate going to a class when they read out of the book. It drives me crazy. I'm a yeah. grown person. I can read, um, so I don't like it when people do that. But um, so what I had in the course book was was the material. I wasn't going through the backup material. Well, this got to be the whole thing. And so as I'm writing the book, I'm laughing. I'm I was thought well I'll, I'll re listen to what I had taught in the classes and because I recorded all of it. And I was bored to tears. I mean, some of it I remembered and I took some notes, but after a while I'm like, oh, I'm so sick of this. Mm -hmm. So as I'm just writing it from all the stuff that that I have learned over the past multiple years, I'm just laughing. I had the best time writing this. I'm hearing voices in my head and they're telling me to write this and that and I'm having some memories. And, and, you know, I'm making fun of everything I've always made fun of. And most of it is myself because, you know, I live my life as a cautionary tale. Yeah. And um, it's just it's just hilarious to me, um, and all of these different you know pop culture things that I have in here, and um, I I was uh, reading a section um, in the candle magic area, um, which will be part two. But just I was reading some sections going to Santa Cruz, and I was just laughing, going, I have some funny shit right here. <coughs> I I wrote that So it was kind of a transcendental experience Because I had to come to a point Where I didn't own the words anymore I didn't own them I don't own these words anymore This is a moment in my journey and and so the next book that you that you see from me is not going to be a repeat of this because my journey's changed. Yeah. That's why you have like Christopher Penzick has so many books and they're taking you to the next level, the next level with him. Because any book that's written is just a moment. This is the this is the moment that I was at when this book was written, and I've changed since then. Even though this is a great base for me, and it continues to be, I've learned so many new things. And so and so use this as a jumping off point for your own personal evolution.
2: Yeah, it's definitely um, uh, uh, a change process. I'm one of the. uh, I'm very much the same way. After I've done something, um, uh, I don't like to do it again.
1: Right, and this is a great reminder because I am uh, writing my next book with my uh, business partner and sister Patty. Um, So we are writing our next book together, and and I think that's one of my blocks of late was owning the words. I was owning the words a little bit too much, but when I wrote Coventry Magic, I let them go. I let the words own the page and the page owned the words and I was separate from it.
2: Now did a lot of from writing the first one to rewriting to rewriting it and it becoming Coventry Magic. Had many of your ideas on magic changed?
1: Um, no, but I got less less um specific and less structured. Okay. All of them are all of them are pretty much exactly the same, but I got funnier, really.
2: Yeah, it's it's hilarious. This book is hilarious. I love it. Um, speaking of which, if you want to get a copy of Coventry Magic, you can get a copy at CoventryCreation.com. We're done with the interview one. Interview two will be next week where we will go through part two, which is actual candle magic and getting into uh, practical-based stuff. Um, uh, so you'll definitely want to tune in that. Thank you, Jackie. You did a great job.
1: Oh, thanks, Storm. I made it through with my thick throat and everything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, check us off of the air, www.keepitmagic.com. Again, that's www.keepitmagic.com. And, of course, visit our sponsor at coventrycreations.com. Also, you can like us on Facebook at Keeping It Magic. And uh, uh, what do they need to do, Jackie?
1: They need to, if you haven't heard it yet...
0: Keep it magic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope, I hope, I pimp through the beat, walking down the street and my new are free, yeah This is how I roll, animal print pants out of control It's Red Bull with the big ass bra, and like Bruce Lee I got the clout, yeah Girls looking at that body Girls looking at that body Girls looking at that body uh-huh, I work out uh-huh. yeah, when I'm at the mall, security just can't fight them all. And when I'm at the beat, I'm in the speedo trying to tan my cheeks. But this is how I roll. Come on, ladies, it's time to go. We had it the bar, baby, don't be nervous. no shoes, no shirt, and I still get service. Wow. Girl, look at that body. Girl, look at that body. Girl, look at that body. I work out. Girl, look at that body. Girl, look at that body. Girl, look at that body.